You can pray until you faint. But if you don't get up and try to do something, God is not going to put it in your lap. And it's no need of running and no need of saying, Honey, I'm not going to get in the mess. Welcome to Black Power Talks. I'm Soliana Bikel, your co-host for this episode. And I'm Dr. Matsumela Odom. Uhuru means freedom in Swahili, and freedom is on our minds 24-7. Today on Black Power Talks, we observe African Martyrs Day. At the first Congress of the African People's Socialist Party in September 1981, APSP designated February 21 as the Day of the African Martyr. Malcolm X was assassinated on February 21, 1965, by agents of the United States Repression and Counterinsurgency. On African Martyrs Day, we lift up those Africans who in many ways gave their lives for the freedom of African people. We must also recognize that all Africans who die under colonialism have been martyred. Amidst the historical importance of the Hands Off Uhuru, Hands Off Africa counteroffensive that has been waged, this year's African Martyrs Day takes on an even deeper significance. We recognize that the July 29, 2022 raids against Chairman Omalia Chatella and other leaders, homes, and offices of the Hur movement was done with the full intent of martyring Chairman Omalia Chatella and other leaders. We also know that the prison time they would give Chairman Omalia Chatella would effectively be a death sentence. Today, we hear excerpts from a webinar organized by the Hands Off Uhuru, Hands Off Africa defense campaign. Long live our fallen warriors. Day of the African Martyr. In this episode, we hear from Akile Anai, the Director of Media and Communications for the African People's Socialist Party. Louise Kinshasa, Secretary General of the African Socialist International. Tafari McGarry, Director of Organization for the African Socialist International Africa Region. Jalil Mutakin, former political prisoner and veteran of the Black Panther Party and Black Liberation Army, and Chairman Omalia Shetela, head of the Uhuru Movement. We would like to begin by presenting to you all the African Martyrs Day resolution adopted at the first APSP Congress in September 1981. The struggle of African people to liberate our national homeland, Africa, to resist oppression and exploitation, and to overthrow the system of imperialism and advance the cause of world socialism has seen hundreds and thousands of our people make the ultimate heroic sacrifice, the sacrifice of life itself. The history of our resistance has been written in blood and flames. 
it has been punctuated by the courageous examples of such martyrs as Nat Turner, Stephen Biko, Patrice Lumumba, Walter Rodney, Nahanda Nyaka Sinkana, Fred Hampton, and Mark Clark, Emilcar Cabral, and Lawrence Mann, co-founder of the African People's Socialist Party. Historically, the oppressors of African people have attempted to turn history upside down and present the heroic examples of our freedom fighters as evidence of the futility, the hopelessness of our cause for independence, African liberation, and world socialism. In many instances, our oppressors have succeeded in demoralizing the great numbers of our people by using the examples of brutally murdered African freedom fighters to prove the invincibility of imperialism and the permanence of African oppression and exploitation. The African People's Socialist Party rejects and denounces this reactionary view of the bourgeoisie and calls on all African revolutionaries of all countries to proclaim February 21, the anniversary of the 1965 imperialist assassination of Malcolm X, as the day of the African martyr. The African People's Socialist Party calls on all African revolutionaries of all countries to take command of the history of our people's struggle for political independence, African liberation, and socialism by taking command of the definition of that history and resistance. The African People's Socialist Party calls on all African revolutionaries of all countries to raise high, in a revolutionary manner, the heroic memory of all our fallen martyrs, of all those in every city, village, community, and country where they failed as evidence of the determination of our people to fight every battle on every front until liberty has been won. The African People's Social Party calls on all African revolutionaries of all countries to initiate special ceremonies and programs in every community where an African revolutionary has fallen and to raise the memory of our fallen freedom fighters to its proper revolutionary and historical significance. The African People's Socialist Party called on all party members to win the masses within the U.S. and all mass organizations where the African People's Socialist Party has influence to unite with this resolution. We call on every party unit, region, and organization to take this call to the masses and to actively work to institutionalize February 21 as a day of the African martyr. In her presentation, Director Akile underscored the continued struggle for African freedom from the very moment that a colonizer stepped foot in Africa. She salutes the leaders and martyrs in the struggle for African freedom. Director Akile notes the complicity of the United States and other colonial powers in their assault against the African liberation struggle. She shows how the African People's Socialist Party was formed in 1972 to revive and complete the African Revolution of the 1960s and notes that this is the true reason for the FBI attacks. So the chairman and the party, we were attacked because of the 50-year fight for the total liberation of Africa and African people everywhere. And African people have always resisted the colonial assault on our people in Africa and abroad. So there's never been a point in our history for the last 600 years where we have just surrendered to you know, our oppression and to the colonizer. So we have never needed somebody to tell us that we are oppressed. We have never needed somebody to tell us that we need to struggle against our oppression because please believe as soon as Africans came um, into contact with the colonizer, this is something that Africans have uh, been struggling against, have never, ever, ever laid down and accepted of this reality. African people were kidnapped and forcibly dispersed around the world, building wealth, prosperity for Europe and white people. 
and and everywhere it is that the colonizer finds themselves throughout the world the reason why you know they're there and have you know access to the wealth and the resources that they do is because of what happened to african people when we were kidnapped and forcibly dispersed and so wherever we've been forcibly dispersed, we are colonized as one African nation. We are one people. And this is why when you look throughout the world, the conditions of our people are exactly the same because it's the same contradiction. It's the same colonizer that uh, uh, forced us throughout the world and then called us all uh, by these different names in order to support their aims, their interests. But we have to recognize that we are part of one uh, uh, forcibly dispersed um, African nation. And, you know, this is why everywhere that Africans are, you see us struggling against these conditions. We have fought the colonial mode of, of production built on our stolen labor, our resources, and blood. This is not a full extent, but these are some, you know, of uh, uh, some of the instances of, you know, African martyrs throughout our history. And so we can see how African people have never let up against the struggle against colonialism. And so we have the Beha people of Sudan resisted European invasion since Roman times. Queen Nzinga and the Nazis led armies to fight the Portuguese assault on Angola. The Zulu people of Southern Africa built an army of 20,000 and powerfully fought the British colonizers for 100 years. In the Caribbean, the Maroons resisted enslavement and set up African liberated territory. The Maroon Wars of Jamaica lasted from 1655 to 1738. In Brazil in the 1600s, resistance leader Zumbi led wars and won liberated territory for African people. On the island of Guadeloupe, the resistance fighter Solitude led the fight against the French colonial army while she was pregnant. She was hanged by the French after she had her baby. She is revered as an African martyr in the Caribbean. And of course, the victorious African revolution of Haiti from 1791 to 1804, the first successful workers revolution in the world was that which occurred in Haiti. In Haiti, our African martyrs, Jean-Jacques Dessalines and Toussaint Louverture were both assassinated by the colonizers. And a little bit about the African revolution of, ha of Haiti, and the victory in 1804, the victorious Haitian Revolution defeated Napoleon's imperialist army, the strongest army of its time, and established the first liberated African state and first worker state in the world. In liberated Haiti, slavery was abolished by an African government. African and oppressed peoples from anywhere in the world were given safe haven in Haiti, and white people were prohibited from owning land. Over the years, Haiti was brutally attacked by the French and US imperialism, which forced Haiti to pay $90 million in pure gold to France. And it's something we understand that Haiti is still being punished for today. The success of the African revolution of IET is why Haiti experiences the conditions that it does today. So just to you know point that out. And then we have Gabriel who led a rebellion in Virginia in 1800, inspired by the Haitian revolution. He worked to raise an army of a thousand African people. We also have in 1822, Telemach or Denmark Vesey led an uprising in South Carolina also inspired by the Haiti revolution. And Telemach is an African martyr. And also just to say how influential, you know, the African revolution of Haiti was. I mean, it, it's, it's gone to influence, you know, whole world struggles and revolutions that we've seen throughout history. I mean, the, the Haitian revolution was such a critical moment, you know, in the, in the whole struggle to overturn the colonial mode of production. Our great African martyr, Nat Turner, in 1831, he led a powerful rebellion in Virginia with the slogan, strike at night and spare no one. In Africa, the Kenyan land and freedom 
Party, the Mau Mau from 1952 to 1960 fought against British colonialism. Led by our African martyr, Dedan Kimati, the Mau Mau army and the Kikuyu people were rounded up, tortured and murdered by the British. Kwame Nkrumah in Ghana in the 1960s fought for one united socialist Africa. African martyr Patrice Lumumba, first leader of independent Congo in 1960. Patrice Lumumba stood up to the Belgians and was kidnapped, tortured, assassinated by the US and Belgian forces. The African revolution in Azania, what is referred to uh, as South Africa today, Robert Mangaliso Sobukwe and the Pan-Africanist Congress of Azania. Our African martyr on the Azanian front, Steve Biko, murdered by the colonizers. Amilcar Cabral, African martyr of Guinea-Bissau. Thomas Sankara in the struggle in Burkina Faso, African martyr Sankara was assassinated on October 15, 1987. We have Muammar Gaddafi in Libya, assassinated by the U.S. government in 2011. Salute our African martyr, Marcus Garvey and the UNIA from 1916 to 1940. Marcus Garvey movement was, you know, one of the largest movements of African people you would see in history. And we have the Convention of the Negro People of the World in New York in 1920. And the UNIA, the Universal Negro Improvement Association, was an organization of 11 million Africans throughout the world, recognized, you know, under the slogan, uh, Africa for the Africans at home and abroad. The Garvey movement built independent African institutions, such as the Black Star Line and the Negro World Newspaper. An African martyr, Garvey was targeted by the FBI with bogus charges of mail fraud. He was put in federal prison, then deported and died when he was only 56. In 2017, then President Obama refused to pardon Garvey. So we see, first of all, the FBI being used as a tool to stop the ability of African people to be able to uh, struggle for our own freedom and work in our own interests. So we see the FBI as you know, in this early, um, you know, this early in the 1900s, you know, uh, intervening in that process, then Garvey put in federal prison on these, you know, like fraudulent charges. And this is exactly what's happening to the chairman and the Uhuru movement in 20, um, in, you know, in this uh, period. So we have the U.S. front of the African Revolution of the 1960s. So we've gone around the world and now we're in the U.S. Um, with Malcolm X, our great African martyr of the 1960s, in the U.S., the instigator of the urban anti-colonial Black Power movement. He was assassinated by the U.S. government on February 21st, 1965. Malcolm X brought the anti-colonial struggle of African people in the U.S. to the world stage. African martyr Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated by the U.S. government on April 4th, 1968. African martyrs Fred Hampton and Mark Clark assassinated by the U.S. government on December 4th, 1969, they came into Fred Hampton's home at four o'clock in the morning in Chicago, just like they came to the chairman's home at five o'clock in the morning in St. Louis, Missouri. Same tactics. African martyr Huey P. Newton, leader of the Black Panther Party, assassinated August 22nd, 1989. And we also have the African prisoners of war in the U.S., and this is just another, you know, form uh, of, of ways. And as we're seeing with, you know, uh, the state trying to put this movement and the chairman on trial, that this is one form of an attempt of uh, a political assassination of our leaders. And the fact that they hold Africans who were struggling in the Black Power movement of the 1960s, and they're holding them into prison today 
waiting for them to die. This is the this is what we're talking about in terms of why we have this urgent this fight back is extremely urgent. Why we say that the uh, the the attempt to imprison the chairman Molly Shetella is a death sentence. This is why we're saying that because we see this history of taking out African leaders by throwing them into prison, locking them up and holding them there, you know, for decades, taking them out of the struggle and, you know, putting them in the worst kinds of conditions as punishment for struggling in the interests of African people. So we cannot forget our African prisoners of war in the U.S. Chairman Amalia Shetela took down the racist mural in St. Petersburg, December 15th, 1966. This was the first act of Black power in this country, and he was sentenced to five years in prison. Chairman Amalia Shetela founded the African People's Socialist Party in May on African Liberation Day in May of 1972. The chairman founded the African Socialist International to bring, as we talked about, African people are part of one globally uh, dispersed African nation. And the African Socialist International was part of the efforts to bring the whole nation together to a united struggle. And we have here Secretary General Louise Kinshasa, who heads up this work of the African Socialist International, uniting and building um, the African People's Socialist Party, you know, throughout throughout Europe, the continent of Africa, and in various places where we've been dispersed. And the African People's Socialist Party, like Garvey, is building the power to govern, and we have the Black Power Blueprint. And what we have done with the Black Power Blueprint and the 50, over 50 economic institutions that we have in the Uhuru movement, not just, not just in St. Louis, but in various places, that this is the work that Marcus Garvey set out to do to be able to create dual and contending power for African people to be able to feed, clothe, and house ourselves because this was recognized as a really critical step to severing the dependence that we have on the colonizer themselves to, to eliminate the relevancy of the colonizer in our lives by being able to do for self. That's what the Black Power Blueprint is all about. That's what the African People's Socialist Party is building, the power to govern, to feed, clothe, and house ourselves, to produce and reproduce life for ourselves in our own interest. And again, this explains why the FBI attacked the chairman and this organization on July 29th. The chairman and the party have always fought for the African revolution for 50, for more than 50 years. The chairman has been involved in this struggle for the majority of his life, 60 years or more, the chairman has been advancing, you know, the, the struggle for freedom and the liberation of Africa and African people. This is why the party was attacked by the FBI on bogus allegations of being under, quote unquote, uh, the influence of Russian agents. I mean, this is, we just talked about this history. This is why it's insulting because they never needed a Russian to attack black people for struggling for freedom. And we've just laid this out historically. This is what the colonizer has done. Militarily, they've come in, they've tortured African people, killed us in the most, you know, inhuman in, in just the most inhumane ways that you can possibly think of to make examples out of these leaders to say, this is what will happen to you if you dare to struggle in your own interest. So, you know, this has never required um, a, a Russian or anybody else at the US at any point in time has ever contended with. They have had a, a problem with African people ourselves being able to, first of all, come to the conclusions about our conditions and then to be able to struggle against them. This has always been something that has been a threat uh, to the U.S. government and this whole social system. So this, you know, this whole history of the African martyr and the history of the party can totally knock out on its own the allegations uh, uh, that, you know, have um, uh, come from the FBI against this movement. That was Director Akile Anai. You are listening to Black Power Talks, 
produced by WBPU, Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. In today's episode, we're saluting our African martyrs and uplifting the struggle for African liberation. We also heard from Louise Kinshasa, Secretary General of the African Socialist International. Louise was born in the Congo and lives in exile in London. Louise contextualized the 1961 assassination of Patrice Lumumba in relationship to the contemporary assault against the African liberation struggle and anti-colonial movement within the assault against the Uhura movement. The United States, as you know, is the leading, the leading colonial capitalist force in the world. It's the hegemon in the world of colonial white power in the world. And uh, so the attack on Lumumba was led by the United States government, just as the attack on the African People's Social Party and the chairman and all the comrades who uh, have been attacked by the, uh, by the U.S. government, you know, it's the same process. The U.S. attacked the Lumumba government because Lumumba was leading uh, the anti-colonial revolution in the Congo, and the, the U.S. Attacked Chairman of Malaysia and African People's Party inside the U.S. borders because they are the leading force against the U.S. government and also against colonial capitalists, not just in the U.S., in the world. So, you know, you're looking at the same thing, the same trajectory, uh, basically. And uh, the United States played a key role in assassination uh, of Lumumba. Not only they facilitated the hunting of Lumumba, because they couldn't hunt down Lumumba without the coordination, the uh, CIA uh, throughout uh, the U.S. Embassy and other CIA forces uh, donated to the new colonial forces like Joseph Mobutu and, uh, and other forces. Without the CIA intervention, the Belgian, the Belgian colonizers would not have been able, they couldn't be uh, they couldn't beat Lumumba basically uh, with uh, the participation, with the involvement, direct involvement of the United States uh, government. And when Lumumba was brutally, savagely, as you know, uh, killed, murdered, you know, tortured, mutilated, within a period of uh, two years, we had basically a renewed uh, offensive in the Congo. The revolutionary movement was not defeated after Lumumba was assassinated. On the contrary, it was uh, the death of Lumumba mobilized a lot of people. So we had a new movement basically this time clearly targeting neo-colonial forces in the Congo at the time. And they were able to take control of over half of the Congo. Some forces talked of a three quarters of the Congo were under the leadership of anti-colonial forces. And uh, those forces were defeated because of direct U.S. military intervention. And this really, really, really critical. Uh, not only the United States, as I said, helped overthrow and murder Patricia Mumba, but they also helped to overthrow the, the anti-colonial movement that was I would say, even given life by the assassination of Patricia Mumba. And this is how the U.S. did it. In 1964, on November 24, 1964, this is just, just over a year after the uh, Organization for African Unity was created, the U.S. sent something like a dozen of uh, C-130 uh, airplanes. They sent uh, paratroopers from 82 um airborne uh, uh, forces. They sent the 20... 
the 322 uh, division from the US forces base uh, in Europe. They supply uh, uh, planes with uh, pilots from uh, Cubans who were expelled by the revolution in Cuba uh, in the Congo. So the bombs are the revolutionary forces. And you have to bear in mind, those revolutionary forces were not equipped like in Vietnam, where you had a revolutionary leadership who organized and equipped uh, uh, the Vietnamese uh, to fight back. In the Congo, we didn't have that. We still uh, were unarmed most of the time and fighting with uh, rudimentary, you know, basic traditional weapons. And we were bombed by those planes. And not only the U.S. supplied those planes, the Belgian troops also uh, were sent to Congo. I remember Congo just became independent or allegedly independent from the Belgian. And in complete violation of international law, the Belgian sent troops there too. So the, we talk about 100,000 uh, people killed in that process, just in the eastern part of Congo in particular. And uh, this couldn't happen without the US involvement. And I think it would be good for people to, to make that link that the U.S. government, when it attacks us in the United States, it attacks all Black people because the U.S. is the headquarter of the uh, colonial powers that is determined basically to prevent Africans being free. The United States government is a, is a strategic enemy of African freedom. Uh, this is the uh, connection between the assassination of Malcolm X, Patricia Mumba, uh, uh, Dr. King, and their assault on uh, African People's Society Party and his and his leader, Chairman Omar That's the connection that recognize uh, the leading force against uh, uh, the U.S. Uh, uh, domination, basically of the over the African nation and the forces leading that fight to end that relationship. And uh, this time, uh, we are informed that the struggle is to overturn colonialism as the model production. This is something we didn't have uh, in the 60s. Uh, this time we inform that we have our own philosophy that binds all African people everywhere around the world, which is something we did not have. Now we know. That was Louise Kinshasa, Secretary General of the African Socialist International. Louise was followed by Tafari McGarry, Director of Organization of the African Socialist International Africa Region, based in Occupy Zambia commonly known as South Africa. Tafari spoke to the assassination of such leaders as Steve Biko and Robert Mangaliso Sabukwe. Tafari identifies some of the work he is currently leading. Despite the slangs of these heroic leaders, the struggle to unite and liberate Africa continues. Uh, so we are there throughout the, uh, the, 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 the continent, you know, so the African People's Service Party is building, you know, and we need um, to recognize that we're not ju just doing this for the sake of doing it. We're doing this because uh, we have a plan, uh, we have a program, and we have the obje an objective of rallying all African people, two billion strong, you know, African people throughout the continent and the world, uh, you know, under the banner of African internationalism, uh, the red, black, and green of Marcus Garvey, you know, for a unified and liberated uh, and socialist um, Africa. That is the, you know, the the objective of the African Socialist International. And we are working towards that, you know, in, um, in, in very practical ways, in very practical ways. You know, the 21st of February is the date in which uh, Malcolm X, an African martyr, was assassinated by US imperialism because he was fighting for African liberation, fighting for African people to have our own capacity to 
be self-governing, to be self-determining, some, something that the Uhuru movement is centered around, you know, this, the same reason Malcolm X thought attacked uh, and uh, eventually assassinated is the same reason that the Uhuru movement is being attacked today. And uh, so with, 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 the, with, with, with that, we want to recognize African matters here on the African continent, um, and uh, especially here in, um, in, in South Africa, where I am based, you know, we want to recognize uh, your comrade, uh, Robert Mangaliso Sobukwe. And um, I think um, this year is uh, the 45th uh, anniversary of, you know, the, 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 the assassination of, um, of, of comrade Petris, uh, I mean, uh, of comrade uh, Robert Mangaliso Sobukwe. So we're going to be commemorating that. We have to up, up, uh, uphold this African matters, as well as, um, you know, Steve Biko, who was, uh, you know, like uh, murdered, I think a year before uh, the, uh, the, the death of, of, of comrade um, uh, Robert Mangaliso Sobukwe, you know, brutally murdered by the South African police. And we have to say he was murdered by the South African police because that's, uh, that's who it is. Uh, because when the ANC came to power here, they did not, uh, you know, get rid of the colonial state, which is the power, you know, the thing, the force uh, that makes us to act a certain way, you know, uh, the force that makes us to stay in the townships, the force that makes it impossible for us to go and get our land. You know, it is the state, the state that the ANC uh, government maintained, the state that was not uh, destroyed, uh, you know, just inherited. And then uh, with, with, uh, with the black administration, a black government, in the form of these uh, neo-colonialists, you know. Uh, so Steve Biko was brutally murdered. Uh, we want to recognize other leaders like uh, comrades like uh, uh who was, uh, you know, like a prominent leader in the 1960s. And, and uh, I think in early 70s, he was actually killed through a, uh, a parcel bomb in, in Botswana by the South African state, you know. They killed Onko uh, Positiro. These are some of the, you know, like, names that are not even known by, by young people here uh, in South Africa, you know, but we are supposed to know all the sellouts, uh, you know, that, um, that have, have left African people at, uh, at the mercy of imperialism, uh, which, which has no mercy, actually, you know. So um, this is where we are, comrades. There are many more African matters that we can recognize because in the African People's Socialist Party, uh, we also recognize the fact that, you know, anyone that dies under this social system, African people, you are an African matter, you know, because you're struggling every day to make ends meet. You're struggling, battling with this social system just to, uh, you know, put a meal on the table. Uh, you know, you, you have to fight with the police. You have to fight with the, uh, you know, colonizers who want to hoard and, and, and keep and exploit uh, our resources. We're battling with these, uh, you know, forces on a daily basis in South Africa. We have no electricity, but uh, we produce electricity in South Africa. The African workers in the townships are the ones who are responsible for producing electricity. But then we don't have access to the electricity throughout the, um, uh, the, the country. You know, so this is colonialism, comrades. It is colonialism. That was Director Tafari Mugheri in Occupied Azania. We also heard from Jalil Muntakin. Jalil is a veteran member of the Black Panther Party and the Black Liberation Army the co-founder of the National Jericho Movement to free all political prisoners. Jalil was released from prison to parole on October 6, 2020, after being confined for almost five decades. Comrade Jalil spoke of the importance of organizing against the system of mass imprisonment. So what is going on with mass incarceration? 
they are ushering our people back into a penal system of slavery. Slavery still exists in the United States. And we've been blind to it, we've been ignorant to it. We have not read the small, the small print in the 30th Amendment. Now we're making that small print bold. And when we end penal slavery, we're going to end mass incarceration. Can we, we take away the incentive of corralling and ushering our people to school to prison pipeline? What do you think that's about? To maintain the system of slavery. All right, so slavery still continues in this country. We have to end it. End slavery. End mass, end mass incarceration by end penal slavery. So across this country, we have a movie going on called 13 Forward. If no one knows about it, uh, check it out. 13 Forward. Wherever you are in this country, fight the end of penal slavery. Because when we raise that question, then we raise the entire history of our resistance against penal slavery. We raise our entire history against the ideas of our community being targeted. Targeted for our babies and generations to be ushered back into a system of penal slavery. So that's one of the goals of objective. How are we going to change this idea of being, being uh, the United being charged with genocides for mass incarceration? We're going to take the, the money out of it. That's how we challenge capitalism. That's how we challenge white supremacy. That's how we challenge we being targeted, our community being uh, targeted. And so what we're going to do, we're going to change that dynamic. We're going to start identifying our people inside as incarcerated workers, making part of the working class and making part of the working class struggle. We're going to ensure that they receive minimum wage for their labor. We're going to ensure that they uh, obtain uh, the same laws and, and guarantees of labor laws. Right, health codes, benefits, and everything that goes on outside should go on on the inside. We're going to ruin this idea of penal slavery in this country, and we're going to start in the process of abolishing the system of incarceration, the system of penalizing us for being black in America, living black, uh, driving black, uh, 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 being black, breathing black in America. All right, that's our task. That's our goal. Again, I want to thank you. Uh, uh, and I want to tell uh, our comrade, Yasatilla, man, we got your back, bro. We got your back, right? We're all in the struggle together. We got your back, homeboy. All right? We, he, and I been, he and I have been going back and forth since 1978 when he came to Oakland. I was organizing the Union Petition Campaign to the United Nations. And so we got a long history of struggle, a long history of, uh, of, of developing our, our relationship with one another. And we need to uh, strengthen that going forward. Hands off Yorua. Hands, Hands off, off Africa. Yes. Hands off Chairman Yashitela. All power to the people. That was the recently freed political prisoner, Jalil Mutakim. You are listening to Black Power Talks, produced by WBPU, Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. In today's episode, we are saluting our African martyrs and uplifting the struggle for African liberation. Chairman Omali Yashitela bookended this dynamic panel. In this section, Chairman chronicles the use of assassination and imprisonment as a tool of counterinsurgency. As well, he saluted the continued resistance of African people. And I want to salute Jaleel as well. It contributes to uh, consolidating uh, a certain, not only a kind of uh, abstract consciousness, but uh, political program, unity within the liberation movement of African people in this country. And that's that's extraordinarily important for us as it has already been recognized. So I think that uh, Jaleel uh, sort of understated that we have had this relationship for a very long time. Let's say a long time ago, we had a, a, a deeper relationship. And uh, 
And he, uh, as it was said, a member of the Black Panther Party and the Black Liberation Army. I also knew, uh, I worked with uh, Comrade uh, uh, Bukhari out of uh, who at one time when I first met her was Bernice Jones and she was working out of the Harlem, New York uh, branch of the Black Panther Party and uh, became a member of the Black Liberation Army. I was there uh, in Virginia uh, when she was captured and uh, attempted to organize a defense committee uh, to, to free her when that occurred, Shafia uh, Bukhari. And, uh, uh, and Jaleel, uh, the thing I loved about the, the Black Liberation Army, one of the things I loved about the Black Liberation Army is that they did not believe in staying in jail. <laughs> they, they definitely, they, they had a strong aversion <laughs> to remaining in prison. 13th Amendment or not. <laughs> Those brothers and sisters were intended, they intended to get out of those prisons. I really loved that. It was such a powerful uh, statement of uh, the determination of African people to be free. And I think that it's important for us also to recognize something else. And I did not intend to go into, but the, the prob a problem for our movement that many people have not yet understood, but is the basis for this discussion we're having today, this webinar uh, that responds uh, to our fallen warriors, uh, to the African martyrs. Uh, one of the things that happened was the, 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 the intensity, the extent of the war uh, that was initiated against our movement. Because they didn't just lock up political, some political prisoners, damn near everybody went to prison. I mean, the whole, movement was almost in prison, which is one of the reasons that you saw the sparks, these prison rebellions that were happening at the time. They killed 40 some odd people in Attica. I don't, I don't remember how many people they killed in Florida and what have you. Uh, revolutionaries were shuffled into these prisons. Everybody was in prison. And that meant there was nobody to get the people in prison out of prison. And this was a fundamental contradiction that we were confronted with. In fact, some people made careers. I'm talking about so-called white leftists made careers of representing black political prisoners. They became the spokesperson for our movement because so many of us were locked up in prison. We had a, a fierce battles with these uh, forces who became spokespersons for the black revolution because so many of our forces were locked up in prison. Uh, one of the problems that we suffered as a revolutionary movement is some of the ideological struggles that we were engaged in. In the 1960s, uh, when many of our warriors fell, uh, it was the apex of, uh, of uh, revolutionary theory, African intellectual theory uh, in the world at that time. All kinds of ideas were being uh, dealt with. And in fact, they were so, 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 so uh, significant is that the U.S. had suffered a, a, a political and ideological defeat in this country. Black people had turned our backs. Many Africans turned our backs on the U.S. government and we're looking for alternatives. That's why there was a Black Panther Party. That's why it was Jomo. That's why a Republic of New Africa. Do you understand? Republic of New Africa, not just Black people, but a republic, our own, et cetera. This was the way things were being articulated, the direction that Black people were going in. But there were many uh, uh, issues that did not get resolved. I mean, I was a part of the Black Power movement. I participated in the first direct action of Black Power while a member of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. 
but what is black power? What did it mean? And one thing was really important, it meant power. That was a distinction that we saw in the black power movement that was leading to the struggle for liberation as opposed to trying to integrate into a system. We need our own power. And that's what we are talking about today. That's one of the things that's so important and everything that Comrade Jalil has said speaks to that. We have some differences about what that means. We have some differences even about who that means. What is the African nation? We, definitely, there is an African nation. We think it's a huge African nation, uh, more than almost two billion strong, stretched across the globe, forcibly, forcibly dispersed at gunpoint. And that when we talk about Africans in this country, uh, we are talking about, uh, we, it belies the whole notion of America being some kind of uh, a, a nation of immigrants. Africans are not immigrants, we're captives. Right. That we came here at gunpoint. We're the only population in this country that did not come here looking for a better way of life, but we lost a better way of life as a consequence of coming here. And I think it's really important when we talk about that, to understand that what happened to Africa as a consequence of our being here didn't just happen to us uh, who uh, in New Jersey, it happened to black people around the world. I mean, Haiti, the most magnificent revolution that's happened in history uh, was done by African people in Haiti who have been captured, who've been taken to Haiti at gunpoint. Uh, and then when they took, when Africans had the first successful workers revolution in the world, had the first successful slave rebellion in the world happened right there in Haiti and it inspired black people everywhere, including inside this country. That was an inspiration for Denmark Gressy and others. Uh, and because Africans in Haiti said, uh, if you get to Haiti, if you are a slave, if you get to Haiti from any place in the world that you will be free, we will give you land and everything else. Didn't say you had to be from Haiti, but not only that, the white people called it Hispaniola. Africans took the land. They didn't call it, what they, how did they characterize? They characterized it by the name that had been given to it by the indigenous people there, Aiti, and extended the reach of the African revolution everywhere. So that was the most significant, it was the most significant attack on capitalism in the world. The first uh, president of independent Mexico, Guerrero, African, and then what did he do? He uh, tried to see if they could uh, fund expeditions from eight Africans in Haiti to do what? After he freed slavery in Mexico, he tried to get uh, Africans in Haiti uh, to mobilize and, and form a military excursion that would go to Cuba, the free Africans there, because we want Africa. One nation forcibly dispersed from throughout the world. And Africa is starving today in part because I'm here in St. Louis yeah. on the land of the indigenous people that France had to give up. It was owned, controlled by France, but they had to give it up. Napoleon couldn't hold it. Why? Because of the revolution in Haiti that defeated Napoleon's greatest army, that defeated the, the French, defeated the British, uh, defeated the Spanish, and what happened made that revolution. Haiti did that. Yeah. It's one Africa, one nation of people. That's the point that I would make. And to the extent that we understand that, like, like uh, Dessalines understood that in Haiti. He didn't say, oh, Black Lives Matter. <laughs> he said, Coupe Boule yeah. cut off heads and burn houses. That was the slogan that happened in Haiti. It was a definitive statement about what had to be happening if African people were going to be free. The colonialism had to be destroyed. And not only that, because 
There was somebody else that everybody loves Toussaint Louverture. He was a brilliant man, uh, but he was satisfied with the neo-colonial solution. He was. But Dessalines, he remembered. A lot of people don't like Dessalines because he said, Coupete Boulekai. He said, pay in kind. They kill one, we kill one. They kill two, we kill five. And so this was, uh, this was a revolutionary movement. I just want to say that that's the power of the African revolution. It's been global. It's been global. And Africa suffers today in part because I'm here. And we suffer today <laughs> because we are here. The best friends we had after getting here was not white liberals and the white man. It was the indigenous people that nobody don't even talk about them. They live in concentration camps that people euphemistically refer to as Indian reservations, their land. They're on so-called reservations. You can't even see them anymore. When, 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 when uh, Napoleon had to give up this thing that they call the Louisiana territory that includes Missouri where I'm standing right now. Of course, Jefferson wanted to do this because he's a great white liberal that everybody loves. Right, uh, he had to do that. He was a rapist, right? He was a pedophilic rapist, raped seven, 13 year old Sally Hemings and made babies by her. And we don't know how many other people he did that with, right? Uh, uh, used to, the, the Americans used to uh, say it wasn't true, but when they, they couldn't get around it, they said he was having an affair. How the hell does a slave master have an affair with a slave? It's not like she can say, not tonight, honey, I got a headache. <laughs> You understand? This is this is this is not the way it works. Never has worked. He was a he was a beast, and this is the basis of the democracy that people experience in this country and in Europe. All of Europe uh, came about as a consequence of taking freedom from black people and from other people who are colonized around the world. The vast majority of the people on Earth live under colonial domination. Chairman went on to outline the tactics and strategies needed to push our liberation struggle forward. When we met. Portugal, when we met Europe, what, there was no Europe when we first met the white man. There was no Europe. There was no white man. There was conceptually, because you don't mean no white people. How the hell are you going to see a white person? They ain't white. White is a political and ideological concept that they constructed to define them in distinction from the rest of the peoples of the world because they were living off the flesh and the blood and the resources and the hopes and aspirations of, of and dignity of the peoples on the world. And it started with what they did with Africa, where that's where the colonialism began with Portugal in the 1400s. When I say colonialism began, I'm talking about in terms of what we, this modern iteration of, of colonialism that we recognize. So, so when you had Portugal, Prince Henry the Navigator, you learned about him when you were in school, the great navigator, this intellectual itch that the Europeans had, right? That they were gonna go out and see the world, was it round, who was where, et cetera. No, 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 no. Europe was starving and it was unfree. There was no freedom and they lived under feudal domination. Feudalism uh, was a, a, a draconian of, uh, existence, no rights. Only the king had rights. Only the nobility had rights. In fact, uh, they had this concept they call it, what? The divine right of the kings. That was the feudal order uh, that existed at that time. Uh, and there was poor. Europe was starving. And I'm not saying this to cast aspersion on Europe, I'm just talking about history so that we can know what it is that we're dealing with, what our problem is, how to fix the problem, as opposed to continuously just complaining about there's a science to revolution, it's a science and an art. And so what, what was it that sent uh, Prince 
uh, Henry out? What was it that uh, rescued Europe from this point of starvation and ignorance? It was 1328, something extraordinary happened that they heard about. And there was this black man who traveled from Mali uh, all the way going to Mecca with 60,000, a, a, a group of 60,000 people on camels and horseback and walking. Took him three months or so to get there. His name was Mansa Musa. And all along the way, he was building mosques and passing out gold. They'd never seen any riches like that before in their lives. That was a black man that came out of Mali. Because we are not only part of the African Revolution, we are part of the revolution of the Americas, of the Americas. Black people are, African people are. And that doesn't mean that we ain't Africans. It just means that the, 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 that the African Revolution came with us. It didn't mean like they, we came to this country and got free. No, Africa was assaulted. I am in St. Louis today because Africa came under attack. And I think it's really important for us to understand that reparations are due to Africans in Africa and here as well. People have got some kind of calculus that they want to make that kind of distinction artificially. And don't make a mistake about it. I, I recognize the significance of, of the, the, the fact that African people in this country are organized. The first World Tribunal on Reparations uh, in 1982 happened in Brooklyn, New York, an international panel of judges. And we found the United States guilty of genocide, uh, found them guilty of owing black people reparations. We used the same basic doc information that Comrade Jaleel was just talking about, that they just did something around. In fact, we're reissuing the book that we published called Reparations Now is being reissued in a greater form because we're putting more of the testimony that was left out of the first one into this one. That's, that's coming out, I think, in March. You see, so. This is, an old, this is an old story, and we need to be connected with each other so that we can understand this. And the, the point that I want to make that's really important because I only have a couple of seconds is that Jaleel is here, and Suniata, my man, you know, failed, Asada failed. How many other people failed just in the recent period? That's what I'm talking about now. Uh, but they fell as a part of the attack on the Black Revolution, defeat of our military, defeat of our revolution. The same force process that killed Malcolm. Look at the time frame that we're looking at. Look at the time frame when they killed Lumumba, when they overthrew Nkrumah. Look at what happened. The Black Revolution of the 1960s came on the international assault. You gotta have an international strategy to deal with, and you gotta link up African people all around the world as a ability in the, in the process of fighting against it all. So what do you have? You say, we talking about voting. You know, we got a school coming up in April because we teach African people who, how to, to struggle against the monopoly uh, that the black petty bourgeoisie, these sellouts, that some people call them the, 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 what do they call them? The miss, there's some kind of, what they call them? Misleadership class. It's a class, they're the petty bourgeoisie. They're people who, who have uh, uh, sacrificed the interests of the masses of the working people uh, for their own interests. The vast majority of black people are workers, working class, if you can get a job. And uh, uh, so, you know, you have uh, this situation where we have a school coming up. We teach people how to run for office. And but they run for office, not just on anything, because Democratic Party does that, too. 
but we teach people how to run on a, on a reparations platform. Put reparations on the agenda. Put reparations in your platform. Put free all the political prisoners on your platform. Put, put uh, black community control of the police on your platform. That has to be on your platform. Take that space. Black people fought and died for that democratic space and we should never concede it to anybody so we don't allow the African petty bourgeoisie to monopolize that, monopolize that space and we don't sacrifice it easily. And part of what the attack on us on July 29th was, is this incessant way that they try to deny us space, the democratic space that we fought for, we died for, people bled for, they deny you that space so that you end up making premature actions that won't win masses of African people to make this struggle. They attacked the Black Panther Party. They attacked the African People's Socialist Party. They killed a co-founder of the African People's Socialist Party. But the fact is the Black Panther Party bore the brunt of this, uh, this assault inside this country. But you look at the period, 1965, they killed Malcolm X. What else happened in 1965? They passed the Voting Rights Act. 1965, the voting rights, so you can vote. Then they killed Malcolm. 1968, they killed King, who was struggling for a poor people's campaign. 1969, they killed Fred Hampton, Black Panther Party there. 1969, they arrest 21 members of the Black Panther Party in New York, New York 21. 1969, the FBI declared that the Black Panther Party was the greatest threat to the internal security of this country. This was the war that was being waged against us. This is the thing that put, uh, uh, put uh, Jaleel and other people like that in prison. This is the thing that helped me in and out of prison on a regular basis, because this was a struggle on that sector, that part of the movement. It was a struggle to destroy the ability of black people to fight against colonial domination, foreign domination, et cetera. So we say the martyrs, we recognize people like to go out and hold up their little Malcolm X uh, ceremonies once a year, and then, Mark, and then Marcus Garvey ceremony once a year, Martin Luther King celebrated the white man give you a, a, a day to get drunk on and a name a street from they kill him and then give you a street that ain't even yours because you can't even have a celebration because you celebrate too long the police I don't know a city where you don't have Martin Luther King celebration people out there with their parades and stuff the police don't tell you to get out of there before sundown right. so you ain't got nothing but a holiday King organized he tried to build a poor people's campaign, raise up poor people. He died in the struggle for sanitation, black workers in Memphis, Memphis, Tennessee, you know? And uh, that I got arrested <laughs> uh, when, with King's brother. When King's brother was brought to town in St. Petersburg, Florida, sanitation struggle. This is 1967. Uh, so you, you, know, you had these struggles going on but whatever they were, however they were articulated, they were struggles against colonialism. We might not have known what it was, but that's what it was. This is Biden's FBI that attacked my house on July, on July 29th. It's not some mysterious force that came from nowhere. That's Biden's organization. It's the Democratic Party that did that. And we shouldn't let them forget we know who you are. And we also know our significance to the Democratic Party. If you think that you're going to be able to shut us up, because you want us, you don't really want us to vote unless we vote for what you want. Unless we put on the campaign what you want. Biden came out of the gate, said he did not believe in supporting reparations. He said that. So we put reparations on the ballot and then we get attacked. Right. You understand? And so uh, uh, 
This is the Democratic Party. And this is the Democratic Party that those people who claim to be your leaders uh, uh, have to serve our relationship to. We have to demand more than that. If you're going to get support of black people, you cannot have the support of black people on the one hand, and then on the other hand, send the police and the FBI at our homes because we're trying to uplift the conditions of black people in this country. Won't work like that. That has to be our statement. And that's important. And one reason, and this is it, that is important, is because people saw what was happening. We didn't quite understand it. It was happening to me too. It was happening to other people. The Panther Party caught the brunt of this assault that, made, that was made against us. As I say, Malcolm was assassinated and King was assassinated and the Black Panther Party was the most widely uh, 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 distributed force that was working right there among that, the working class, they call them lumping. But there was the Panther Party and housing projects and various other places like that who represented this powerful force. They would do things preachers wouldn't do who were supposed to be our leaders. The intellectuals, they, we created revolutionary working class intellectuals. They, it, was, it was these young people who taught the police who they were, made it necessary to provide political education for the police because the police couldn't deal with these people out there on the streets who understood who they were better than they did. And so uh, we came under uh, this incredible hostile assault and we suffered a military defeat. Uh, of our forces, but it was a struggle against colonialism that they uh, attacked. And that's why Julia went to prison. And that's why uh, during the same time frame that I just mentioned, uh, the, F the CIA facilitated the, the murder of something like three million, three, three million people in Indonesia who were trying to be free. 1970, uh, they killed uh, Patrice Lumumba. Uh, 1963, uh, they, uh, they overthrow uh, Kwame Nkrumah. Uh, 1967, uh, when uh, they, after they had wounded and captured Che Guevara, they murdered him. So all around the world, this attack was being made on colonialism. But after the success of that attack, it wasn't being made on colonialism anymore because people were not talking about racism and not colonialism. And the struggle against racism make the white man like you. And, or some other thing like that. There's no source of power that you're fighting or racism. How do you know when you won? You know, does somebody come out and wave a white flag and say, okay, we surrender? You know, no, 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 no. But in the struggle of colonialism, it's about what? Power. That's when you know that you won. That was Chairman Amali Chatella. To view this complete video, you can visit the Hands Off of Horror Facebook page or the Burning Spirit TV YouTube page. You have been listening to Black Power Talks produced by WBPU, Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. In today's episode, we saluted our African martyrs and uplifted the continued struggle for African liberation. Our theme song, Get Up and Do Something, was written and performed by Elikia Ngoma. Thanks to the Black Power Talks production, research, and promotions team and all others who keep the show going. Uhuru. Get up and do something. Get up and do something.
something. Do something. Do something.